Bible, open up to Romans chapter number 12, and uh, appreciate the, uh, uh, the offertory as well. And uh, I want to encourage, if, if you're working on piano, uh, we want to get you in rotation and, and start an offertory. So get up here in front of a bunch of people and play a, play a song on a piano or anything. It is. And uh, everyone's looking at you and all attention is focused on you. So that's a wonderful uh, place to be able to jump in and, and get, uh, get the practice that you need and, and, uh, and start out really playing in front of people. And so what a wonderful opportunity. So um, we continue to pray for a piano player and, uh, and work. We're working towards a piano player as well. We've uh, got a few in the works we're trying to work towards. And uh, we're, our, our prayers should not be without feet. And so we're working at it. And we're praying as if everything depends upon God. And we're working at it as if everything depends upon us. And we do the best we can and pray that God will provide as well. And, uh, and I believe that's a biblical uh, concept of prayer. All right. Uh, I'm not preaching on any of that tonight, so that was, just, that was a side message, I guess, uh, extra. Um, again, bear with me tonight as I, I have a, a cold, and uh, I have been um, trying to do, get the best, best I can to get through services, and uh, sometimes a little bit foggy-headed, too. I, uh, I was sitting here singing, and man, I, I start the song where I usually would, but I can't hit any of those notes up there, so then I jumped an octave lower, and I'm singing uh, bass notes, which I can't hit hardly any of those notes, and I have no volume, and so uh, I, I don't know where I'm at as far as singing-wise, and uh, I got a cough drop in my mouth, so hopefully I'll be able to get through the service. I checked and made sure it was not a button, okay? Uh, somebody asked me about that, and I said, no, it's a cough drop. I'm sure of it. We're good. Uh, so Romans chapter number 12, and... Uh, as we go through the book of Romans, as you turn the page from Romans chapter 11 into Romans chapter number 12, uh, boy, there is a difference that is night and day uh, between the writing of Paul. And, and he stops and he, and he changes gears dramatically here in this passage. In the previous chapters, Paul has been teaching very important theological truths and he spared no expense of ink in detailing every argument and laying to rest many of the side arguments that may come in as a result of what he's trying to prove. And he now shifts gears completely and drives into a very practical section of this book. And, uh, and he's careful to transition based on the truth of the theological arguments that he has been arguing for the past 10 chapters. So you'll see a, a very uh, big difference as we read here the first three verses. Romans 12, verse 1 uh, through 3, the Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. And let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you just for your goodness to us. Thank you, Father, for the privilege that we have, even for the opportunity that we have to gather in your house around your word. God, I pray that you'd use me. I pray, Father, that you'd speak through me. I pray you'd give me clarity of thought 
clarity of voice and clarity of mind, Father, to be able to preach. And God, I pray that you would uh, speak to hearts as only you can. And Father, we'll be careful to give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at these verses, uh, he starts out this chapter beseeching them. And uh, beseech means to ask or entreat with urgency, to supplicate or to implore. And it carries with it more than the idea of simply asking, but the idea of pleading to urgently comply. And, uh, and so Paul starts out this chapter and he says, I beseech you, therefore. And what do we do when we find a therefore in the Word of God? Anybody remember? We go back and we look what it's there for. Uh, and, and he's going back to all his previous arguments. Verse number, or chapter number 11. We'll recap, we'll not go over every, everything in chapter 11, but basically his whole idea in chapter 11 was a very historical argument in which he says, hey, Israel as a whole, has been temporarily set aside and, the, and, the, and salvation is now offered to all Gentiles. And he gives several illustrations of that. And while he says that God's not done with the, the Israelites and there's always a remnant, uh, but, but salvation now is by and large offered to all people. And, uh, and that's his whole idea of what he's trying to get across in Romans chapter 11 and he closes out the chapter with oh how wonderful is God's mercy and oh how wonderful is the knowledge of God and uh, and really God is good for all how he opens up salvation to every person so based on that he says because of the salvation that's been offered to all people he says I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. And he's saying, hey, because now God's attention and God's plan deals with all people, boy, now is the best time for all people uh, to present their bodies. Now he's speaking specifically to believers. Uh, he says that, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, those who have been saved, those who have been born again, those who have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, whether they're Jew or whether they're Gentile, does not make a difference. And he says that in another chapter, but rather that, uh, that they're saved and that they're born again. That's what's important. And he's saying, listen, I'm pleading with you because of God's mercy, because of God's wisdom, that ye present your body. So verse 1, we can see the presentation. And what are we to present? Well, he says right there, uh, he says, well, he goes, actually he gives us the why we are to present. And we cover the therefore because of the salvation that's so ri richly offered. But then at the end of that verse, he says, which is your reasonable service? He's simply not asking too much of us. I read that verse so many times, and really that's my, my life's verse right there, Romans 12, 1 and 2. And, uh, and as you think about it, uh, if you think about everything that God has done for us, if I think about everything that God has done for me, he's saying, hey, for me to present my body as a living sacrifice is reasonable service. 
It's just, it's just what, it's reasonable for God to ask that I would serve him with my life. After all, he gave his life uh, for my salvation. And so it's a reasonable service. It's not too much of God to ask uh, for him, uh, for you to give your life to God. Now, if I came up and I said, hey, I want you to give your life to my service. And I say, hey, I want you to be my servant, and, uh, and I got, man, I got, a load, I got a boatload of chores for you to do. You say, who are you? And you're right. I'm nobody. I haven't done, done anything. But God is a whole different story. He purchased our salvation on the cross of Calvary. He changed our eternal destiny for all of eternity. And when you stop and think about that, there's nothing in this life that he could ask of us that would be too much for us to do for him. And so we see that it is a reasonable service. And so we see why we are to present ourselves. But um, what are we to present? Well, he's very clear in that. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies. I'm reminded of the verse in 1 Corinthians. Save your spot here and go with me to 1 Corinthians. I'd like you to see this in the Word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, just over a few pages after Romans is 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. At the very end of that chapter, he's dealing with, uh, really, he's dealing with some perverse sins. And he's saying uh, that this is foolishness and, and doing this is, is really uh, uh, a sin against your own body. But verse number 19 he says this in 1 Corinthians 6.19, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And he's saying here in, in Romans 12, he's saying, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now we coincide that with 1 Corinthians. We can see very clearly that Jesus Christ, dying on the cross, shedding his precious blood, raising again from the dead, purchased our salvation. And he purchased our body. And now we belong to God. And you think about this. He gives the illustration in 1 Corinthians. He actually gives the illustration here in, in Romans as well, as we'll see. But, uh, but the body is made up of all kinds of individual parts. Boy, a lot of people like to compartmentalize. They want to they wanna say, well, God, you can, uh, I tell you what, let's strike a deal, God. I am yours on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, but I'm mine on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. I mean, that's the kind of deals that people try and, 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 and give to God. Listen, God said that he purchased us with his own blood. So therefore, there's no negotiation that ought to take place with God. And there's no negotiation that we ought to give to God. The idea is that we belong to God. And presenting our bodies is merely a reasonable service of what we ought to do. And so it's, it's nothing over and above. And uh, 
And we think about our bodies being as those individual parts and, uh, and collectively plen- uh, um, um, giving that, offering that to God. I was reading through the Old Testament. I'm reading through, uh, I think I'm in, well, I finished up Leviticus here recently. But in, in, in Leviticus, they're going through those sacrifices. And, uh, and, and, you know, certain parts, they said, hey, you take this part and you throw it away and you burn it out in the field, away from outside of the camp. We don't want that inside of the camp of Israel. And this part is a select part portion, you are to offer this portion as a sacrifice. And there were select parts. But I want you to notice that Paul, being very astute in the Roman or in the Jewish way of life, uh, he said, listen, your whole body is to be offered to God. Not just one part of it, not your mind, not your heart. We see in the New Testament, I was reminded of the verse that Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. And he repeated it several times. And we find, listen, uh, that he is, he ought to be in control of our mind. He ought to be in control of our heart. He ought to be in control of us. But oftentimes, we decide, oh, God, you can have my mind, but I tell you what, my feet, they're going to go where I want to go. My mouth, it's going to say what I want to say. Um, and, and, and we try and take back part of it and say, no, I want this part. But the Bible says that our entire body belongs to God. You know, one of the problems I've heard it said with a living sacrifice is that it gets up and it wants to get off the altar and walk away. There's a lot of truth to that. The Old Testament sacrifices, you take that sheep, you take that ram, you take whatever it was that you were offering, you'd cut its throat, you'd kill it. You put it on the, offer, uh, on the altar, it ain't going anywhere. It ain't going to get up. And the problem with us, and the problem with even with me, is we are self-willed people. God did not create us robots. That's not necessarily a bad thing. God wants us to choose to love Him. God wants us to choose to serve Him. God wants us to willingly step ourselves onto the altar and say, God, I am yours. Unequivocally, without, without conditions, without saying, well, my, my feet are here, but my hands are not. Well, my feet are here, but my tongue is not. Well, my, uh, you know, and, and saying, well, the, you can have this, you can have this, but you can't have this. God wants every part of us and our bodies are to be presented 100% to God, every part of it. And so we see that he says our bodies, that's all inclusive, that's everything's in. Then what's the way that it is to be presented as we look at the, per, the, the presentation and he's saying, hey, present your bodies. And how is it to be presented to God? Look at what he says there, a living sacrifice. You think about that for a minute. That's something that is usable, moldable, and pliable. Somebody who is worth something. Somebody, once you, once you die, you can't, you really, there's not much that you can do, to be honest with you. And, and how, many, how many people, and I don't mean this unkindly by any stretch of the imagination, but I've run into a lot of young people and a lot of people that aren't saved, and you go to give them the gospel, and they think to themselves, when I'm 50, when I'm 60, then I'll get saved. You know what they're saying? They're saying, when I'm no longer, uh, when, when, I, when I've lived out all my fun days, and I've wore my body out, and I, I can't get as much done, 
then I'll give myself to God. God wants a living sacrifice. He wants life. He wants vitality. He wants uh, people who are able to do something. And, and listen, uh, we ought to dedicate our life to God. And, and everyone, if you're, if you're breathing, then God can still use you, and he wants you. Um, you, you. Listen, I know that there's different levels that people can do. I'm certainly aware of that, and uh, I've thought of that a lot. And I've told a lot of, of, of people that are they're physically not able to do a lot of things. But I always tell them, listen, you can always pray, you know, and, uh, and, and we ought to. We ought to serve God with every bit that we can and every uh, little bit that we have. But he's saying, hey, he wants a living sacrifice. He does not want a dead sacrifice. He wants somebody who is alive, who is usable. Not only that, he says there, uh, that is holy. Boy, that word is such a comprehensive word. And it means clean. It means being a, a clean vessel for the Lord. I'm amazed at how so many people are, they're like, well, I want to serve the Lord. And then you sense what's coming, but this and this and this and this and this. And there's limitations that they'll put. And God's saying, listen, I want holy vessels. I want living vessels. I want usable people. I want people who are interested in being used for the service of God. Uh, holy and acceptable kind of go hand in hand. Acceptable unto God. I, I, this is a, a real clear illustration. If you went to a restaurant this afternoon, just imagine if you went to your table and, uh, and your waitress brought you in and she sat you at your table and all the dirty dishes from the people were, were, that were there before were still sitting on the table. Now imagine he picks up the silverware and he wipes it off with a napkin uh, with a towel that he has and he puts it right down the table. He takes the plate and he scrapes off all the stuff and he puts it back down in front of you, takes the cup and he dumps out all the liquids that, are, that were in that cup and sets it right down in front of you and he says, what would you like to drink? And you're saying, a different restaurant. I messed up. I'm sorry. I didn't realize this was this place. I thought it was a different one. And you're looking for all kinds of reasons to get out of there because you're thinking, no way, that ain't happening. I am not eating nothing here. Matter of fact, I, th I think, I, think I, th I hear the Lord calling me to fast today. <laughs> and you're saying, I'm not doing that. Listen, God wants a clean, a clean vessel. Not one that's been marred, not one that's been used, not one that's been, uh, been all uh, filthied up by the world, but, but something that's clean. And I'm so grateful that God put in his word that, hey, we can go to him at any time and that he'll wash us. I'm glad that he put in that, uh, the, the washing of the regeneration of the word of God, how it cleans our life and takes care of us. Listen, if you go out in the world, you can't help but get dirty in the world. I mean, even as a Christian, even as, a, as somebody who wants to serve the Lord, you go out and, and there's, there's just filth is all around you in the world. It's everywhere. And, uh, and we ought to wash our life with the Word of God so that our life is clean and so it's acceptable unto God because God wants a clean and an acceptable, a holy sacrifice. We see the presentation not only that, but I want you to notice in verse number two, the purpose of the presentation. Look with me in verse number two. He says this, and 
be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What is the, we see the presentation in verse number one. We see the purpose for that presentation in verse number two. And he starts right off and he says, listen, that he doesn't want us to be conformed to this world. You know what the world wants? Just that. They want us to conform to them. Now, uh, the world offers all kinds of ways that we can conform to them. And listen, it's not necessarily wrong to, uh, to, to follow the fashion and fad of the world. I'm not saying that that is. But when we're trying to, when that's our life, and when that's our goal, and, and, and where our eyes and our mind are, man, I want to I be able to fit in. Listen, God's not interested in undercover Christians that blend in so well with the world that nobody even knows they're a Christian. God's not interested in that. God's interested, hey, the Bible says that we are a peculiar people, that we are people that stand out. Now, you don't have to be crazy and wild to stand out. You just be truthful, you be loving, you be kind, you be compassionate, you be uh, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, those things, and you're going to stand out. You don't have to be crazy to stand out. You just follow what God says and you're going to stand out and you are going to be different because the world does not conform uh, to the, the ways of God. Matter of fact, they have their own ways and they're very selfishly motivated many times. You look at the world and, and their whole idea is, well, watch out for numero uno. Stay, you know, you got to look out for yourself and, and guard that you're, you're the number one and, and you got to make sure that you take care of yourself. And uh, all of those ideas go contrary to the word of God. And so Christ is saying, and, and, and this verse, God is saying, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Listen, if you don't fit in this world, and if you don't try to fit into this world, oftentimes you're mocked and laughed at and made fun of. They say, ah, oh. I mean, they'll, they'll tell you at work, oh, he, no, he's Holy Joe. He doesn't go out drinking with us. Oh, we can't tell that joke around him. He's Holy Joe. He doesn't listen to those kind of things. And they'll, they'll make fun. You don't have to be some radical person. You just say, well, I'm, I'm trying to live right and I'm doing right. And, uh, and I, I've, uh, I tell people, you know, well, I'm, a, I'm a pastor. I'm a preacher. And, uh, and, uh, and they're like, oh, okay. And, and, and people are like, oh, they try not to say stuff around me, which I appreciate. Uh, but the fact of the matter is the world knows and understands, well, we're different than that. And that we ought not to conform to them. But the second part of it, he says, by the renewing of your mind. Now, some of you got saved later in life. And before salvation, your thought process was worldly. It just is. I mean, that's the nature of the beast. You grew up in the world. You think like the world. You act like the world. That's normal. Um, and, and, and if you grew up in that, uh, after you got saved, boy, I mean, uh, all of a sudden, you felt like a, a, a square peg trying to fit in a round hole when you went back to work. And you're saying all of a sudden, well, my, I don't really fit in with my friends. I don't really fit in where I used to, and things don't work like they used to. And, and, and he's saying here, he's saying, hey, there needs to be a renewal process 
of your mind. And as a Christian, uh, we ought to be careful about how our mind is influenced in the world. Uh, if you grew up in that, then your mind ought to be renewed. But even as a Christian, hey, the world is trying to pull our thoughts and say, hey, this is the way you ought to do this. This is the way you ought to think. This is the way you ought to act. This is the way you ought to uh, try and live your life. And, and they're very quick and they're very sure to tell you how to live your life. But God says, no, don't do that. It's different. Renew your mind. And Colossians 3, 9 and 10 says this, Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Basically, it's saying, he's saying, hey, that our minds would be renewed in knowledge with a whole different thought process and a different way of thinking in our life. Why? Because Christians and God and God's word does not fit with the philosophy of the world. We cover that regularly. We go over that on a regular basis, that the world is so far different. Well, how do we keep our, how do we renew our minds? Well, there's lots of ways, but Psalm 119.9, I love this verse, says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? In other words, taking the word of God, and saying, you know what? I want to obey the Word of God in my life. If you, just follow, if you just follow the basics of the Word of God, you know what? You'll find automatically you will not fit in with the world. You'll find out, oh, compassion. That's really not what the world has to do with. Oh, um, love, joy, peace, all those fruits of the Spirit. Oh, that's really not part of the world's philosophy, and it does not fit in. And, and so that's where reading your Bible comes into play. You ought to read your Bible. You ought to spend time in your Bible. Not just that, coming to church and listening to the preaching of the Word of God. Listen, many times I, I listen to preaching, and as I listen to the preaching of the Word of God, it's not that there's something new that they're teaching me, but I'm constantly being reminded of stuff that I know, and I know I ought to do, but maybe I got sidetracked from it. Maybe I got diverted or maybe I got, uh, I got busy with other things and I, I dropped this ball and I'm not keeping everything in balance. And so many times the preaching of the Word of God will expose things in the Word of God that are not new to us, but we need to remember that. And it's talking about renewing. In other words, making it new again. Renewing requires a constant effort. If you drive your car around, especially in Ohio in January, amen, it's going to get dirty. And you know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to take it down to the car wash and you're going to have to wash it. You know what you're doing? You're renewing it so it looks good again. Amazingly enough, your house, you don't even take it anywhere and it's going to get dirty. You just leave a house set, and if you let a house go, you know what? It's like dust settles out of nowhere. It's like, where does this stuff come from? And, and, and all of a sudden you realize, man, i got a clean house. And, and listen, our Christian life is no different. You live your life day to day to day, and without even trying, without even any effort, you find yourself spotted with the world, and you find yourself saying, well, I need renewed in the Word of God. 
I need refreshed. I need cleansed. I need washed with the Word of God. I need my life to be changed, to go back. And so the purpose of the presentation is so that, hey, we will constantly be continually working at keeping our life clean. It is a, it is a constant effort. It's not something that will be easy. Matter of fact, it takes constant work. Until we die and go to heaven, and then praise the Lord, we won't have to work at it anymore. We won't have to worry about being spotted by the world. But we see the, uh, the purpose for the presentation. Look with me in verse number 3, and I want us to see this. He gives some prodding in verse number 3. And look at what he says. He says, For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. He gives us some prodding and he says, don't become prideful. Be careful of high-mindedness. In other words, thinking more highly of oneself. And in Romans chapter number 11 and verse number 20, he said the same idea. In verse number 20, Romans eleven twenty, he says, Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off, and thou standest by faith, be not high-minded, but fear. In other words, because Israel uh, was temporarily set aside, though God's going to bring them back, he said, listen, he said, uh, and salvation was offered to all people. He said, don't be high-minded. In other words, wow, God thought of me and I'm so important in God's eyes. He said, hey, be careful not to be high-minded. And he's saying, as you present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, uh, which is just your reasonable service, and as you go through life and you're striving not to be conformed to this world, but rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind, he said, hey, do not become prideful and arrogant in your position. Saying, well, man, I am, look at me. Whew, I have arrived. I am the best Christian in the church that I know. Man, there's nobody better than me. Pride. It's going to cause you to fall. The Bible says that, Proverbs chapter uh, 16 and 18, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Hey, Paul warns us of this over and over and over. He says, hey, be not high-minded. Be careful that you don't think more of yourself than you think of other people. And he's saying it's important as a Christian uh, that, we don't, that we're aware of, of this idea of becoming self-righteous in our own mind. That was the biggest problem with the Pharisees. That's what Jesus butted heads with the Pharisees over and over and over again. There's this element of, in, in religion in general, whatever religion and Christianity and, and true Christianity, that is being born again and being saved, is not an exception to it. But when somebody um, gets a little bit of, what's the word I'm looking for, growth, spirituality in their life, they tend to think, well, look at me, I'm somebody great. And Paul's reminding us, no, no, listen, you didn't get there because you're great. You got there because you submitted yourself to God and because he has allowed you to grow in your life. And he's saying, don't become arrogant. Don't become prideful. And he's, and he's giving them a prodding and saying, hey, listen, as you present yourself, don't look down on others and don't think more of yourself than you ought to think. Look at the second part. He says, really the last part, he says, but to think soberly 
according as, has, as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Not only is he saying, don't become prideful with who you are and where you have arrived in your life, but second to that, he said, don't become critical of other people. He's saying uh, other people, he said, uh, think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Soberly is to think right, have a clear head and a clear mind. Don't think of yourself as somebody wonderful and look at other people and think down of them, but think right thoughts. And, uh, and listen, he's saying according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Did you know that everyone's faith is a little bit different? And some people have not grown in faith. When I, I remember going to Peru and starting a church, and it was one of the most amazing things to me in my life, to be honest with you, because so many people, uh, they, they had no knowledge of the Bible. And I know I've said this before, but uh, they, they didn't have Bibles, so we'd give them Bibles when they came, and, and, uh, and I would tell them, turn to the Gospel of John. They'd open up a Bible, and they're way back in Genesis, and they're flipping their Bible. I'm like, man, well, they're never going to get to the Gospel of John. I say, it's in the New Testament. And they made it up to the book of Psalms as their page one by page two. You know, they just keep, keep paging through looking for the Gospel of John. Finally, I just started giving them page numbers because they all had the same Bible. I'm like, it's on page uh, 359 or whatever page number it was. And they would say, they could find that a lot faster. And I was amazed at people who had zero knowledge of the Word of God. Zero knowledge of Christianity, of salvation, of baptism, of a church, uh, of, of all of those things. And what he's saying is, uh, listen, don't look down on other people because they have not had maybe opportunity or maybe have not grown up in church or maybe have not known the things that you know. Don't be critical of those people because their faith is smaller. You remember when the disciples, they came to Jesus and they said, uh, they said, Lord, increase our faith. They recognized their lack of faith. Boy, if we would spend time evaluating ourselves instead of evaluating everyone else and saying, God, man, my faith is not as strong as it needs to be. Help me with my faith. And quit worrying about brother, brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so and how their faith is lacking and start worrying about ourselves. He's prodding them in this verse and he says, hey, that you ought not think more highly than he ought to think of himself, uh, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 1.3, we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is me, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you uh, all toward each other aboundeth. He was praising them, saying, hey, your faith has grown, and your ability to trust in the Lord. And, and listen, it comes with baby steps. You ever watch a, I love watching little kids learn to walk. Mostly, he's not walking anymore, now he's running around. But I love watching him to walk. Learn to walk. They, they, they stand up, and man, their, way, their legs are all wobbly, and they're holding on to something, and they take a little half step, and, and, and they take another little step, and then they fall down. And, and, and you're saying, oh, man, I don't know what the big deal is. I've been walking around for 20, 30, 50 years now, and it's not so hard. And, and, and you're, you're criticizing. But yet, hey, listen, every Christian in their life has to learn to walk by faith, not by sight. 
And God's saying every person is at a different level in their life. And some of them are, are, are maybe, uh, maybe more experienced in presenting their bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Maybe others are new at it and they're still working at it and they struggle with that. And so he's saying, hey, don't think highly of yourselves. Don't think critically of them, but rather uh, think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Don't criticize those with less faith. Encourage, help, and strengthen them. That's the work of the ministry. And so we see the service here, the presentation of our bodies. We see the purpose of the presentation, and then the prodding that he gives at the end. And, uh, and as we go into chapter 12, he's going to start talking about the body. So the first part we see is beseeching as he's asking them, hey, present your bodies. And we find that he's, he's saying he's going to go into it in verse 4 down through the, uh, the chapter there, that we are going to plug into a body. And we're going to be part of the body uh, of the local assembly and the body of Christ, and saying, hey, be involved and do something. Don't look at other people and say, well, I'm better than them, or they're lower than me. Just think soberly and say, you know what? We're serving the Lord together. And if my brother falls, the Bible says in Galatians 6.1, um, my brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye that are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself also, lest thou also be tempted. In other words, saying, hey, I could, I could have been that fella, and I ought to help them out. And I ought to strengthen them. That ought to be the ministry of the local New Testament church, that we would help and strengthen one another to walk uh, the way the Lord would have us to walk. So we have the presentation, the purpose, and then there was a prodding that he gives us. Hey, don't be high-minded. Don't be prideful. Don't be arrogant. Uh, don't be critical of other people. But be a help and be a strength to each and every believer as they need it in their life. As we stand to our feet with our heads bowed, I hope and pray that's been a help and a blessing to you this evening. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the clarity of it. God, I'm amazed over and over that you would take people, people like us, sinners saved by grace. God, that you would use us. Really, what an amazing God you are. God, I thank you for how you do use us to do your will, to accomplish your purpose. God, we're not perfect, but God, we strive to renew our minds, to walk with you and to maintain ourselves on the altar of your service. God, I pray that you'd help us. I pray that you'd strengthen us. God, help us where we fail you. Help us to, be, to grow in our faith and to be stronger Christians for your honor and for your glory. And God, will thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we have a short hymn of invitation, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open.
All right, we'll bring our